The St Albans Film Guide with Simon Carver, hosted by Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide. Uh, Our very own host Simon Carver is here with us. Hello Simon. Yeah, hello. Hi. And uh, we are looking at, well we will be looking at Simon's choice of films on Free to Air TV for the forthcoming week. uh, And we'll be looking at my choices there as well. Um, Don't worry, as soon as the cinemas reopen we don't have to hear about my choices anymore. We'll go go back to our old way. But but for now, um, just to pad it out as much as anything, uh, throw in some of my choices. But but we start off with looking at the new releases on the streaming services. So Simon, where are you going to start this time? Uh, well, let's start with Amazon and um, a, a film that uh, comes out, uh, I think, next week. I can't, I, I can't remember the actual date now. It comes out. Um, uh, I can tell you if it's on the yeah. document that I just gave you. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, the first one comes out uh, on uh, 26th of March, which is uh, Friday. Might That's well be right. today if you're yeah. listening to this. Well, let's today. look at that one first. Made in Italy comes out on yeah. Friday. Um, a bohemian artist travels from London to Italy with his estranged son to sell the house he inherited from his late wife. Um, there's a certain poignancy about this because um, the bohemian artist is played by Liam Neeson. I've never really thought of him as a as a bohemian artist. I wouldn't wouldn't think he's the go-to actor for uh, for that sort of character but there you go he is an actor so i'm sure he can do it and his estranged son is uh, played by michael richardson who you may not necessarily connect that to liam neeson but he he is um uh, liam neeson's son by his wife um oh natasha richardson, natasha richardson who uh, died and so, you know, there's there's a lot of art imitating life here in that, um, you know, father and son are playing father and son and uh, wife and uh, mum are, are deceased. Um, so they, they go to Italy and uh, they try to sell the house and, uh, you know, stuff happens. I think that there will be love interest from Lindsay Duncan. Um, who is a real estate broker, and uh, <clears throat> and so um, you know it ticks a lot of boxes as far as I'm concerned because it's a part of Italy that I know pretty well. It's Tuscany, but it's only just across from Umbria, um, which is a place I used to visit quite regularly um, in the old days when we used to be able to travel. Um, and uh, so it's a lovely part of the world. So the scenery is going to be great. Um, Lindsay Duncan's always great for a, a gentleman of a certain age and so yeah I should think I should be watching this okay uh, I was quite intrigued as well by the fact that it's uh, written and directed by James Darcy who who I always just knew as an actor he was the he was the villain in Broadchurch um, but he's done he's done other things besides um, okay if you, if you if you click on his I'm going to say I don't recognize the name but no um, You'll know him straight away as soon as you see his face. He's been in an awful lot of uh, TV stuff okay. uh, over okay. the years. A British actor, um, but but yeah, he, he wrote and directed this. Okay, I don't wait. Waiting for Simon to look at his face and yeah. Well, okay, so he was in broad. I don't recognise him. He was the killer. He was the um, the, the, the. There you go. Spoiler: If you've seen broad, if you've not seen Broadchurch, but he was the one married to Jodie Whittaker. Was he? And He's quite yeah. young, isn't he? Um, well, he looks quite young. Uh, he was in Dunkirk. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's forty five. Is he really? Yeah, that is quite young. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, he, yeah. Dun- Dunkirk. Uh, he's uh, there's a TV series on at the moment called Leonardo, and he's in that. Um, okay. And uh, there's lots of other yeah. things he's done as well. He was, he was in the Avengers in... Endgame. I see. I, I imagine yeah, was... that's probably a blink and you missed it, though, is it? No, he was the voice. He was he was the voice of Jarvis, who I think was Robert Downey Jr.'s AI character. Uh, his AI in his house or something. Oh, okay. He was a voice, but he was in he was in Agent Carter, the series with Haley Atwell, which was set just after the World War Two, where he played a character called Jarvis, and then it turned out that that was the character that later on was the mm. voice and the AI thing. If, I hope you're keeping up. But yeah, but yeah. Um, he's uh, he's got a, gr- a great. Um uh, list of things on uh, IMDb. Um, he was he was he was in uh, as well as Broadchurch. He was m- more recently in Homeland. Okay, uh, I haven't watched that for a while. Um, no, nor I, me. I, I did used to watch it and really enjoyed it. And then yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it's didn't exactly jump the shark, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, I got it wrong. There we go. It wasn't, wasn't Jodie Whittaker's husband. He was Olivia Coleman's husband, who turned out to be the killer. Right. If if you ever watched *The Poor Church*, I did watch it, but I can't remember now what what happened. To be honest. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, he was um, he was certainly. It turned out he was the he was the bad one. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So uh, anyway, he's the. Um, uh, Yes, yeah, so he's the writer-director of the film that you just mentioned there, uh, Made in Italy, which comes out on Friday the 26th of March, and that's on uh, Amazon Prime. And there's one other new release on Amazon Prime as well. There is indeed the Madagascan, not Madagascan, the Mauritanian. Close. I knew, I knew it was an African place beginning with M. Um, yes, uh, Mohamedou Ould Siahi fights for freedom after being detained and imprisoned without charge by the US government for, for years. Um, so it's a sort of we were talking about homeland. This this has got a sort of bit of a homeland feel to it. Uh, Jodie Whittaker, Jody, what the, for goodness' sake, what's the matter? <laughs> Jodie Foster <laughs> plays the um, the CIA person. I think um, that that may not be true at all. So just just ignore what I said because basically I'm just talking nonsense at the moment. There is a picture of her looking all official, sat across a desk from. Yeah, well, yes, right. But you see, I, I I thought that she was going to be no no you see that's it i made the assumption that she was um being accusatory but in fact uh, what it says here alone and afraid siahi finds allies in defense attorney nancy hollander played uh-huh. by jodie foster and her associate terry duncan who battle the u.s government in a fight for justice that tests their commitment to the law and their client at every turn it's based on a best-selling memoir guantanamo diary um, and it's, so it's a true story, basically. Okay. Um, and I don't know. Well, you, you wouldn't have yet picked up on this, but you might do later. Um, but the um, the guy in it, um, Taha Rahim, along with um, another actor in this as well, uh, Denis Menochet, they both previously were in a film called Mary Magdalene, which came out a couple of years ago, which might be relevant later. It might be relevant later, indeed. Yes. Um, so it was in the profit as well, okay. which was um, very well received. Right. 
Anyway, that, that's um, the film uh, The Mauritanian, uh, which uh, comes out on the 1st of April. That's also on Amazon Prime. And you've got a Netflix uh, choice for us as well, haven't you? I have, yes. The, the Netflix choice is a week away. It's a, it's the, it says here... That's the, the name of the film, isn't it? That's not yeah, what's coming out. No, no. It's coming out on Friday. And it is the first, it says here, faith-based musical of its kind. Uh, troubled teen Will Hawkins has a choice to make. Go to juvie, as we call it, uh, or attend a Christian summer camp. While at camp and with the help of his music, new friends and love interest, he learns the healing powers of kindness, forgiveness and faith, can be f- and that faith can be found in the most unlikely of places. I, I, I don't know anything about this. Generally, faith-based films are pretty awful. Nine out of ten of them are pretty awful. This may be better. Who knows? <laughs> you take your chance. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll give it a look. Okay. Well, you, you can report back on that then. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always found, by and large, that most, uh, in my experience, mo- most sort of faith-based things, most religious... Um, yes, most faith-based things. things in general. Well, you know, well, films or, or, or TV... Like or churches, TV. faith-based things like churches... <laughs> Well, yeah, well, all right, and yeah, let's bung them all in together. Yeah, I'm, I'm standing by this because I think I think most of them are more naff than they are good, and 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 it's it's a, a terrible shame that that, that that often I think opportunities are wasted in 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 um, you know you, by using film, TV, and other such medium. Um, you know, and, and and certainly in America there is quite a, a, an industry, isn't there, of, of kind of faith based movies, and and they're really really bad they're so bad channel five probably wouldn't put them on of an afternoon um there's and uh, then every now and then there's something that's really good that comes along yeah yeah there's one on uh netflix uh, about a black church um i mean i think it's legitimate to call it that um it's uh, and, and that's quite good but it, it's actually a, about a lot of the politicking that goes on um, behind the scenes there's also a Walter presents about the Lutheran church in Denmark as well which um, it's by I think it's by the people that did Borgen but but by and large the church is pretty poorly represented we were watching an episode of Code Black last night which is a sort of a actually it's a, a harder edge it's the hardest edge of any of these ER type things and um it's it had a it had a uh, a, a character in it a, a young girl who had broken her leg and needed an operation but her father said no that, that our church doesn't agree with things like that and and you sort of think oh for goodness sake really you know uh, i mean it's a tiny a tiny percentage of uh, christian people would have such feelings you know i mean it's just crazy and yet you know you sort of it makes you cringe because you feel that there will be some people who say, yeah, I mean, Christians, you know, what are they like sort of thing. But as much as, as Christians might be misrepresented in film and TV, I suspect that of the main faiths, we're the ones misrepresented the least. Um, know, given that there was a yeah, period of time where every single Muslim in media was a terrorist, for example. Well, that's know, true. Yeah. And the way that Jews have been depicted in the media as well over the years, you know. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I would suspect that Christians have probably got off light. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I, I think there's a lot of special pleading that goes on um, uh, about you know being persecuted and all that sort of stuff. And 
I, I think, you know, when people need to get over themselves a bit, you know, if that's what they think. There are a lot of a lot of other situations that are far worse. But I think I feel we've digressed slightly. Yeah. So, so back to the, the the choice you just made. It um, mm. comes out on March the twenty sixth. Uh, it's called A Week Away. It's a family drama musical, and um, yeah, there you people go. People think it, they've tuned into Elspeth's program for a minute, won't they? <laughs> I think her voice has changed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as deep as it normally is. Anyway, uh, right, we'll have more from um, our very own film guide host, Simon Carver, when we look at his choice of films on free-to-air t- free TV, and we'll do that in a moment. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Uh, we're back with the uh, next part of the St Albans Film Guide. This is where we look at uh, Simon's choices and my choices of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. And uh, Simon sends me his list a couple of days before um, we, we, we put this together. And then I, I put my list together and I double-check his to make sure that I'm not picking the same film as him. And uh, there are, I think, three films this week that I'd have chosen. So he made my work very difficult. But the first one is the first one we're going to talk about, in fact, um, which is on uh, Friday the 26th of January. In fact, technically, it's Saturday morning the 27th because it's on just after midnight, 12.20 a.m. But we count that as a Friday film. And it's on Channel 4 and it's called Green Room. Yes. uh, Writer-director Jeremy Saulnier uh, follows his mesmerising revenge tale, Blue Ruin, with another pulsating and riveting thriller. Um, a young punk band, the Ain't Rights, uh, led by, and this is quite mildly interesting, Star Trek's Anton Yelchin, uh, end up in the wrong place at the wrong time when they play a gig in the backwards of Oregon. Um, the fact the audience is made up of snarling Leo, neo-Nazi skinheads barely registers with these rockers who proceed to provoke with gusto. However, when they return to the green room and find a dead body, the quartet and local girl Amber are soon besieged by vicious thugs with no qualms about using dogs and knives to eliminate the unwanted witnesses. After all, merciless head Nazi Patrick Stewart, that's the interesting, mildly interesting point, um, wants no proof of gunplay, just victims of canine attack. So it's a sort of, um, it's been compared with Straw Dogs and Assault on Precinct 13. And um, yeah, it, it enables Patrick Stewart to play uh, a rather nasty piece of work. I didn't know if that was the interesting thing you were drawing or the fact that Star Trek's Patrick Stewart stars alongside Star Trek's Anton Yelchin. Yeah, that's the bit that I was... Oh, right. the interesting bit yeah okay it was um, the two Star Treks uh, although I'd, obviously Anton Yelchin was in the uh, the, the reboot whereas um, Patrick Stewart was in The Next Generation wasn't he yes yes so they never actually um, were, were in the same uh, in the same films but they were both from Star no. Trek and of course um, uh, Anton Yelchin as well sadly died um, uh, he died about a year after this film was made I think it was um, oh, it was him. Yes, I knew one of the, the Star Trek 
people had died. It was yeah, he, he right. was uh, 27, and um, it was a car accident. Oh, crikey. Um, oh, I didn't know. And, yeah. and he was something... I hadn't quite appreciated how much of um, an actor he was before Star Trek, that he, he was quite... quite he'd, he'd been in quite a few other things and, and quite um, an acclaimed actor. Mm. Uh, I saw him... I was watching the other day an old episode of NYPD Blue, and he turned up in that as a teenager... Um, who found a gun in a in a park, um, and it turned out he'd actually also shot someone with it. Um, but um, but yeah, it was it, it took a moment to realise it was the same same guy because he was considerably younger. But mm. but uh, but yeah, he, he he's got quite a list of credits despite his his young age. And um, yeah, yes, yeah, it's sort of very sad when 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 because when you hear of young actors dying, particularly when they die at the age of twenty seven, which seems to be a thing, um, it's often to do with to do with lifestyles. Uh, whereas his was an act, just a tragic accident. Um, yeah, which, I was just look, reading about it here. He, it was when we talk about a car accident. You know, you have a, a view in mind of what that means, but uh, it, it, it was his own car. He got out of his car and it just rolled back on him. Yeah, it was some some fault with the the vehicle, which um, was it like the handbrake or something, and it just didn't work properly. And I, I, I don't know; it doesn't I say. I think I read that. at the time that the manufacturer. Um, oh yeah, there was a lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it rolled it rolled over it rolled back over him and killed him. Anyway, mm. cheery stuff. Yes, but yeah. But yeah, th- this is this is quite yeah quite a menacing and very claustrophobic feeling film. Most I've of not seen it. I saw a, a a clip from it with the director talking about it. Yeah, and it yeah it, it is very claustrophobic because a lot of it takes place in this one room, doesn't it? In the green room. Yeah, and 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 the whole thing is pretty much set in this little um, venue in the middle mm. of nowhere, and it's mm. all set. You know, and, and there's various bits where they get out of the green room, and they but they can't really get out of the building. They're trying to, they're running around this this building, and you know, going down corridors, and can't work out which way's out um, <coughs> in this in this sort of bar in the middle of nowhere, which turns out it's run by neo Nazis. Um, but but yeah, it it, it is. Um, it, you know, it's, it's it's very good. It's quite quite hard hitting, and I think in particular seeing the nastiness of these um, the, the these thugs and and you know Patrick Stewart almost unrecognisable, even though the only difference in his appearance is he's wearing glasses. But but you know he he, he looks like a very different character, and you fully buy into this. You know that that he is who he is, and and not the affable sort of fellow that he often portrays. But anyway, mm. that's um, that's Green Room, uh, which is on uh, Channel Four, and that's Simon's pick for Friday the twenty sixth of March. Uh, my my pick, which is on even later than Simon's one, so so well into Saturday morning, but one forty five a.m. over on Film Four, we have the film Stonehurst Asylum. A new apprentice at a lunatic asylum is intrigued by the unusual methods of the doctor in charge. He realises too late that the Doctor is actually a patient who has taken over with the intent of establishing his own form of society, a plan that leads to chaos. A gothic horror based on Edgar Allan Poe's short story Eliza Graves starring Kate Beckinsale, Jim Sturgis, David Thewlis and Michael Caine. And um, yes, yeah, so it, it's it's... I'm not entirely sure if it's made specifically clear when this film is set, but it certainly has this Victorian gothic feel to it. Mm. And, and I think... Victorian um, lunatic asylums are a very scary sort of setting. Yeah, uh, and 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 this one, yeah, it's um, 
it, you know, yeah, it's it's uh, it's very powerful. Michael Caine's very good in it. Kate Beckinsale is is is, is particularly good as well. But it's got it's got a good cast and it's a good it's a good horror film. And it's the sort of film where people may not necessarily know of it. I don't think it was particularly big when it came out over here, um, despite having quite a good cast. Um, so it might I well be a film. Don't know it at all. Yeah, so, so it's possible it might have passed people by. But but if those if that sort of setting sounds good to you if you like Edgar Allan Poe um, if you like Michael Caine um, then then this will tick all the boxes. It's called Stonehurst Asylum and it's on one forty five a.m. on Film Four. So let's move into Saturday properly and Simon has chosen ten twenty p.m. on BBC One Fatal Attraction. Uh, yes, uh, it's. It, it's it set the scene for a lot of subsequent movies. This uh, sort of crazed female from hell, it describes it as here. Um, Glenn Close plays an obsessed woman uh, driven to extreme lengths when she discovers that Michael Caine is not going to leave his wife for her. Um, uh, Michael Caine, Michael Caine, Michael Douglas... Yes. All I've got to do is mention an actor in the previous like one, and then you'll, you'll keep mentioning. Yeah, it. yeah. yeah Jodie Whittaker, Jodie. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he he's plays this sort of uh, troubled icon of middle class America, the ordinary man who um, gets himself into into trouble. Uh, directed by Adrian Lin, it, it introduced the the term bunny boiler into the vocabulary, um, and yeah, great ending as well. And and this is something where I think that's that in and of itself is a sign of a classic movie. If there's a famous phrase that actually originated from that movie, you know, mm. the, the phrase "bunny boiler" was was uh, taken yes. from a scene in this movie, and now it's it, the, the phrase has almost outlived where it came from. You know, yeah, people wouldn't necessarily know the origin of, of that particular phrase, but uh, but yeah, um, you know, a, a great great um, you know, cracking thriller. But, but um, I was reading something the other day about an actor, and I cannot remember who it was now, but it could have been somebody like Robert Redford or Dustin Hoffman or someone else that was originally considered for the part before Michael Douglas took it. And um, their reason for not wanting to do it was that they felt it was a rip-off of the Clint Eastwood film from the early 70s, Play Misty for Me. And therefore, it, this would be a big, mis- you know, a big misfire, and, and they didn't want to be associated with it. And it went on to be this classic movie, and and the actor in question was was somewhat regretful that that they, you know, that that they decided the way they did to not get involved. I mean, I can see why they might, you know, might make a comparison, but well, on paper uh, it look you can see it's similar, but it, but in you wouldn't think it just by what? Yeah, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't look like it. Um, you know, in the you know the th- the film doesn't doesn't have that feel to it, does it? No, no, and, and I mean the the only comparisons really are the fact that there's um, that, that that there's in both of these the, the sort of the, the deranged psycho was a woman, which was which was quite rare, which was and probably still is quite rare in movies. Mm. I'm just looking to see if I could see anything about what you were saying of of um, about Michael Douglas, but. Uh I mean, certainly there was. I saw a huge list of actors who were all considered for the part, mm. um, and Michael Douglas was was not anywhere near the first choice for it. Um, I saw a thing on here: Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Tom Hanks, Robert De Niro, Kevin Costner, Steve Martin, Dennis Quaid. Um, right. You know, lots of, any male actor of that age in yeah, Hollywood at the time. Martin Sheen apparently um, was was one oh, as that well. Worked. Martin Sheen wouldn't have an affair. Goodness sake. 
ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, um, but 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 yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it is. It is. A, it's a classic film, and it's it's kind of. Yeah, you know, M- Michael Douglas, I think, kind of he worked, you know, and, and I think he got he got a fair bit of work of playing similar characters off the back of it, you know, um, sort of morally reprehensible, shady kind of characters. He he did it, you know. Wall Street, of course, is you know very famous, and this was just after Wall Street, and then Basic Instinct, where his his character was quite there. Was, there was some real sort of like moral um, shade in that, and and then. Um, uh, Disclosure, if you remember that from a couple of years later, which was a Michael Crichton story, and it was all about sexual harassment in the workplace, mm. and and where he was claiming that Demi Moore was harassing him, which was the the thrust of the movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, Michael Douglas suddenly became your, your go-to guy for you know if it's if there's a bit something that's a bit sexually shady, then yeah, yeah M- Michael Douglas is your man. There was that's- an alternate ending. Um, which is on the DVD, um, but uh, which I think is better than the the actual ending. I, I can't actually say what the alternate ending is because that would spoil for when you seeing the other ending. Um, but but if you happen to get a DVD of this, uh, it will be it, it's quite interesting. I think I, yeah, I think the the other ending is uh, is better. But there you go. That's just me. Okay. Mm. Apparently, there was. This was also. Uh, it was uh, considered that this film might also have been inspired by an episode of Starsky and Hutch that had a very similar premise, and and the oh, episode right. was called Fatal Charm. And uh, yeah, um, but but anyway, uh, mm. yes, uh, you know, a great film, a real good thriller, and um, yeah, uh, it, it is um, you know well worth uh, looking out for if you've if you've not seen it before. And that's Fatal Attraction, 10.20pm on BBC One on Saturday the 27th of March. 10pm uh, over on Talking Pictures TV on Saturday, uh, we have my choice, uh, which is The Boys from Brazil. An ageing Nazi hunter gets a lead on the whereabouts of the infamous war criminal Dr Joseph Mengele. A series of strange events around the world leaves him convinced the sadistic scientist is engaged in a horrifying plot to turn various children into clones of Adolf Hitler thriller based on Ira Levin's novel starring Laurence Olivier, Gregory Peck and James Mason. Now, the, the, the outline there makes that sound quite the sci-fi type of film, but, but this didn't mm. in any way feel like a, a sci-fi movie. Um, there was nothing about it. Also can't help but feel that that description is a bit of a spoiler, because I, from what I remember of the movie, I don't think you know quite what's going on to near the end. And the whole thing about cloning Hitler was I think was revealed very near the end of the movie that that's what they were trying to do I'm trying to think is this the one where uh, Laurence Olivier's character keeps saying is it safe am I thinking of something else where Laurence Olivier plays a a Nazi dentist oh that's Marathon Man ah right yeah 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 Which, which I think was about the same time Maybe the year before Marathon Man might have been seventy-seven. Right. Okay. Seventy-six. Oh, close. But you know, not bad. I'll give you no. that. That's quite <laughs> interesting. Lawrence Olivier playing that again. Yeah, yeah. Dustin Hoffman is the one in the in the chair, isn't he? And um, yeah, Lawrence Olivier keeps saying to him, "Is it safe?" 
Yeah, but but you're saying about interesting Lawrence Livia, he's sort of on the other side of it because in in Marathon Man he's playing a former Nazi, whereas in Boys from Brazil he's hunting them. Oh, is he? Oh, right. Yeah. You see, I, I I don't think I've ever seen Boys from Brazil, um, which okay. feels weird. Yeah, well, it's it's a good it's a good and it's very um, evocative of of its period. You know that it's it's that it was made in the seventies. It has that feel of a seventies movie, and. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, and it has a feel of Marathon Man and, and other such um, films of that that time, um, and and also it's got a, a very early appearance from Steve Gutenberg, who went on, of course, to be in the Police Academy movies. Mm. But, Three but he, Men and a Baby. Yeah, yeah, but he he's a very different role for him because this is quite a serious movie, and it's quite brutal in places as well. Um, very very um, brutal and not for the not for the faint of heart. Uh, but but you know it's particularly chilling seeing these sort of f- famous old actors um, in, in such roles. You know, James Mason, Lawrence Olivier, Gregory Peck, mm. you know, all, all in there. And um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, very very interesting movie. And 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 it's some of the ground has been picked up more recently in the Amazon series Hunters. I think it's oh called, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with Al Pacino, yeah. which is set in the seventies and is again about. I can't kind make of high- out whether that's good or just well i mean it's quite enjoyable but it's it's pretty um barking it feels like it's a graphic novel that's been made into a tv series yes i i I haven't watched it for a while i I was watching it last uh about this time last year i think i started watching it and uh i i think i gave up after a few few episodes but yeah you're right it, it has got this sort of graphic novel feel to it yeah 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 the way that they depicted um, that but again that was set in america in the 70s which yeah. is which is when when this film is well it's set in its when it was made which is 1978 mm. ira levin r- r- wrote the book um and, and, i mean I, I was just looking at see what he, other stuff that he'd written i knew he'd written the stepford wives okay. um f- which was uh, filmed uh, again around that time but 1975 the Stepford yeah there are quite a few things he I mean Rosemary's Baby um, he wrote uh, uh, Sliver do you know Sliver Um, the Sharon Stone became the Sharon Stone film yeah the the poor like follow to uh, Basic Instinct yeah yeah Kiss Before Dying was another one Um, is that with David Caruso uh, no it wasn't it was um, Matt Dillon Kiss before dying. I think. Yes, Mac Dillon, Sean, Sean Young. That's it. Um, it was also, it was also filmed in 1956 as well, um, because I mean he had a long, long writing career. From uh, Kiss Before Dying was his first novel in 1953. Um, so he was, it was you know, 20 plus years. Anyway, we're um, we're once again we're sort of going off. Yeah, the original Kiss, Bef- Kiss Before Dying was um, with uh, very young Robert Wagner. Oh, right. Okay. Who starred in that. Um, but anyway, yes. Uh, mm. uh, so, The Boys from Brazil, uh, <coughs> Saturday the 27th of March, 10pm on Talking Pictures TV. Let's move to Sunday the 28th of March and 6.15pm uh, on ITV2. We have Wonder Woman. Yeah. I think this is one of the films that we've, we have saw together, wasn't it? Oh, you keep saying that. Uh, yeah. No, we did see um, together. Uh, Gal Gadot plays Wonder Woman, and uh, Chris Pine. He's not one of my favourites, I must admit, Chris Pine. But he, he was. He plays the uh, the the pilot who 
crash landed pilot who with, with whom she uh, works together. Um, it's I forgot who plays the the, the female humorous female role. Oh, it's um, it's Jessica's some, daughter, isn't it? Lucy, is Lucy, it Lucy Davis. Davis. Yeah, Lucy Davis, and she she's very good in it as well. I think this was very good. It was it's one of the better of the DC universe films. It's it's funny. It, it's not at all knowing in the way that a lot of these superhero films are, uh, and I, I thought it's great. Yeah, it's a good film. Yeah, um, yes. I mean, certainly, I think it was considered to be head and shoulders above the other films from mm. the DC universe until the Aquaman film came out, and that one was considered quite good as well. Um, yeah. But 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 yeah, um, you know, Gal Gadot is um, you know very good in the in the lead role. And uh, and yeah, she she plays it with with a sincerity, a bit like um, you remember how Christopher Reeve portrayed Superman? That you know, Superman, those Superman films were, were a little bit ch- tongue in cheek in places, but he always played it straight. He always played it as this very noble, virtuous sort of character. Mm. And 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 I think that that um, Gal Gadot brings a uh, brings something that's equally kind of noble and righteous and. Um, you know, she plays it as a as a role model as much as a superhero. Uh, and and the, the only misstep I thought that the film made is it it felt like that they they kind of crowbarred in a love story that that really felt like it was added in afterwards, almost like they reshot an extra scene to then you know to make it that her and um, Chris Pine's character have a have a love scene. Mm. Because there's certainly rumours at one point that that they were going this incarnation of Wonder Woman, they were actually going to make it that she was a lesbian, that she lived on an island of women, and and certainly there were depictions in the movie from the island that she was from, that that you know that, that there were it was quite commonplace for, for for women to be in a couple. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, that's um, uh, that. But, but that's but that was something that, that it was rumored but then it was you know it, it never happened um, but yeah Wonder Woman um, which then of course um, Gal Gadot has played Wonder Woman I think four times now because before this she was in the Batman Superman um, Batman v Superman movie playing Wonder Woman and then after this she was in the Justice League movie and more recently there's been another Wonder Woman film hasn't there that came out a couple of months ago set in the 80s yes kept up with this it, well barely um, but but yes I know it's been there have been other Wonder Woman films yeah yeah so um, and it's certainly it's, it's proven to be one of the more successful adaptations from, from that um, stable of, of of superhero cinema movies um, so that's uh, that's Wonder Woman, which is 6.15pm on ITV2, Sunday the 28th of March. I'm sure that the showing of that is, is in no way a coincidence because um, they've just re-released the movie Justice League that, that she featured in quite prominently as well. They've just released the, the director's version of that uh, with an extra hour on the running time. So right. if you've got four hours to kill, then you can watch the Zack Snyder um, version of, of Justice League. Um, rather, rather uh, tragically, during the making of it, his daughter was killed, and mm. so, and his wife was the producer of the movie. So they, like, immediately had to pull out whilst this was still shooting. And Joss Whedon, from the um, who did Buffy the Vampire Slayer and did did some of the Marvel Avengers movies, he stepped in um, to to sort of finish the film off. And it was felt that he'd kind of pretty much ruined it. 
and um, and there was a lot of campaigning online for the for the original director for Zack Snyder's version to get released. And that last year or the year before, the studio announced they gave him seventy million dollars to finish his movie. And so, so what's been just released now apparently is considerably different from the version that was released five years ago. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, but yeah. So Wonder Woman, though Simon's Choice, Sunday the twenty eighth of March, six fifteen p.m. on ITV two, eleven p.m. on Sunday evening. I've gone for a weird movie, but you All might right. like it. Um, uh, eleven p.m. on BBC two, The Men Who Stare at Goats. Oh yes, <laughs> this is very weird. Yeah, I mean it's a weird idea, and it's quite a weird film as well, isn't it? Yeah, and and because the book it's based on, which I think was by John Ronson, yeah, I don't think was fiction, because no. the story is about a journalist. I believe he wrote it, and it's about him, and it's about yeah. people he had met, and you know, now of course it's it's quite possible, quite likely that he he fictionalised bits of that experience, but I don't believe the book was considered a fiction book. Um, even though that the movie was had become fictionalised, um, yes, I mean it's it's um, yes, it's considered a non-fiction book. Yeah, it's a fictionalised version of his book. Yeah, apparently. Um, yeah, so, so so it says here, a journalist desperate to be posted to a war zone encounters a special forces agent who claims to have been part of a top secret project to endow uh, soldiers with superhuman powers. As the reporter joins the supposed psychic on a journey across Iraq, he discovers the bizarre story behind the experiment, a satirical comedy starring George Clooney, Ewan McGregor, Jeff Bridges and Kevin Spacey. And the, the original... Um, book was about um yeah it's non-fiction uh, concerning the u.s army's exploration of new age concepts and the potential military applications of the paranormal and the title refers to attempts to kill goats by staring at them and stopping their hearts and uh it was it was a companion to a three-part tv series that was on channel four called crazy rulers of the world and then yeah it was loosely adapted into a, a fictional movie a few years later but it is it is strange and it's mm. it's but it's kind of strange I found it quite interesting I mean it was just bonkers but it was so bonkers you actually wondered how true some of this might be um, well yeah I mean the the, the 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 sort of the premise was was basically true wasn't it um, this idea of of um, to, <laughs> by staring at them staring at the goats you stop their hearts or something that was the yeah. The way it was supposed to work, but, but and and yeah, I mean there was that, uh, there was that it was a one-off that TV show the other night, um, Grace, with John Sim, um, where he was a policeman who uh, went to a psychic to to you know get clues for solving crimes, and you know there there are examples of people going down the route of paranormal stuff, and I suppose. Why wouldn't the army do it? You know. Well, yeah, yeah. Over the years, you know, some police forces have, yeah, have have, have dabbled in those those areas to try to get um, leads in mm. various um, cases that they've been working and things like that. But um, but yeah, it it, it felt like um, this was an area that. Uh, that George Clooney has visited before in movies um, because he did another film, didn't he? Um, and the name of it now escapes me. 
Burn After Reading, which is a Coen Brothers movie. Oh yeah. That that it, it's the stories aren't that closely linked, but it, but it, the, the feeling of it being some sort of like satirical comedy and looking at perhaps the ineptitude of of the government or of the authorities and you know some of these themes I think were were, were quite similar. Um, but uh, but yeah, the um, the men who stare at goats. If you want to see a movie where George Clooney's trying to kill goats with his brain, then then this is the movie for you. Uh, and it's on 11 p.m. on BBC Two uh, on Sunday the 28th of March. Actually, one other thing about George Clooney that I think you've pointed out in the past is that for, for somebody who's um, you know th- this sort of classically good-looking leading man, he does seem to almost relish sometimes playing parts that make him look really goofy. Yeah. And I think this would be one of them. Yeah, I mean, he... he um, yeah, well, of course, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art There is the classic one, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, very much so. Uh, and um, he, uh, yeah, he, you know, he, he did that. And and that was also with the Cohen brothers who he did Burn After Reading with. Hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, that, that's, uh, that was my choice for for Sunday. So... Let's move on to Monday, the 29th of March, and 9pm on BBC Two, we find Simon's next choice, which is Finding Jack Charlton. Yes, I don't know whether this this is really a, a proper film, as it were. I mean, I think it is, is a film, but it's it's um, it could easily just be a sort of a, a TV documentary. But it is about uh, Jack Charlton and how he came to be mainly the Republic of Ireland manager in the 1980s uh, I mean he's very much an Englishman <clears throat> from Northumberland um, but he he took over managing the Northern Ireland side he was quite a successful uh, club manager he had put, but he applied for the job of England manager and never got he never even got a reply so um, he, he, he gave up on that a bit like happened with Brian Clough I, I guess and uh, but went to Republic of Ireland and his great success was founded upon the fact that he he exploited the rules so that anybody that had an Irish grandmother or, or grandfather was able to play for Ireland. So he got all sorts of people who weren't really the slightest bit Irish playing for them, and uh, they they had a really good team. Uh, they qualified for the European championships in 1988 and they went to two world cups as well and he was granted honorary irish citizenship uh, after initial skepticism about him and uh, he, he was he was loved loved in ireland and loved by the people that played for him uh, he uh, sadly latterly he was suffering from dementia so he, he couldn't remember a lot of the good things that had happened and uh, it's a it's a nice uh, homage to him, um, and lots of quite well-known people crop up. Uh, Roddy Doyle, um, the T-shirt uh, former T-shirt Bertie Hearn, and uh, and some to, to non-football people, lesser-known people like Paul McGrath, uh, who struggled with alcoholism, uh, but Charlton was uh, like a father figure to him and tried to help him. And he speaks very warmly of him as well. And there's, uh, there are some nice scenes. He died in July last year, and and so this film was um, is very much a sort of uh, um, a, a sort of a, a, a good a good sort of memory of, of a man that had a, a, a interesting life from World Cup. I mean, he was already quite 
advanced in his career when he won the World Cup in 66. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he was coming towards the end of his career then, his playing career, but he went on to, to be a great manager as well. So okay. finding Jack Charlton. I mean, certainly you, you, you question whether or not it's a movie or not. It's listed as a movie. It's listed as a documentary. Well, that's right. I mean, it is, and it's, it's listed as a five-star movie in the listings magazine. So, yeah. yeah. That's so that good. counts for us. Yeah. That's, uh, that's Finding Jack T- Charlton, 9pm on BBC Two, Monday the 29th of March. If at the end of that you think to yourself, oh, I want, I want more sort of historical football um, stuff, then stay stay on that channel because the, fi- the the film that's on right afterwards, which Simon's already just mentioned, there is the Damned United, and uh, it seems to oh, me that if I hadn't noticed that was on, yeah, it's it's on the same channel. It, is it? it? It's on, so you just don't even have to get up. You mm-hmm. can just just keep the TV on, yeah. and uh, it will play straight afterwards. So twelve ten a.m. Uh, on on right after the film that Simon's just chosen there. Uh, and uh, this is the fact-based drama chronicling Brian Clough's ill-fated 44-day tenure as boss of Leeds United in 1974 after Don Revy's departure for the job of England's manager. Following his acrimonious split from Derby County and a brief spell at Brighton and Hove Albion, um, Clough arrived at Ellen Road on a wave of controversy after previously being an outspoken critic of the club and struggled to find any allies al- among the playing staff. And with a, a Timothy Spall, Jim Broadbent, and Colin Meaney, but but a great central performance from Michael Sheen, who mm. once again shows how chameleon-like he can be yeah. in 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 suddenly taking on um, a, a, another real-life character and and making it so that you forget that he's Michael Sheen, the actor, and you just fully believe that he is the the, the character that he's embodying. In this case, uh, being Brian Clough. Now, when you last suggested this, Simon, which was a little while back, I found a video on YouTube, which was a an interview between some sports presenter of the time and Brian Clough and Don Revy. Mm. And it seemed that the, the, the setting of this was that Brian Clough was booked for an interview and then got sacked that day as the Leeds United boss. But he still turned up for the interview and Don Revy was also on the same show and they were going to interview them both together mm. and he still did it. And to see that was just, um, there's a, you know, even if you're not interested in football, just a piece of mm. history right there. And, mm. and how these days interview, you wouldn't get an interview like that. Yeah. They wouldn't give, they wouldn't give you that long on television for a start. They had half an hour where they, where they talked. You wouldn't have had both those figures and, and they wouldn't have been quite so open about what they thought of one another and what one another did. And the way that Don Revy sat there and listed all the things that Brian Clough did wrong in his, in his very short tenure as Leeds United boss. And, and, and Brian Clough sat there gobsmacked, but he's still reeling from the fact that he was fired that morning. Mm. And, and um, it, it, it's, it's a great uh, piece of footage. And, and it also further demonstrates how good Michael Sheen and Colin Meaney were in playing the character those those real life mm. characters mm. Um, yeah I mean it, it, it was a very different time now um, footballers and managers barely say anything interesting because they're um, they have PR training and all that sort of stuff and just occasionally you get an old school person like Neil Warnock or, or uh, Mick McCarthy who are not quite um, Clough and Charlton generation but um uh, Warnock's in his 70s now um, and, and they just don't give a monkeys and they'll just say what they think um, just like Clough did um, but yeah most of them now they just talk in platitudes 
um, you know, oh, it's not about me, it's about the team and all that sort of old nonsense. Yeah, it's a game of two halves. And, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, you can see now that they've, they've all been, yeah, it's all the media training that's kicked yeah. in and, and, yeah. and you, you, you rarely get anything of interest. Exactly. But, but, but this was from a different time. But the movie yeah. itself is, is great. And as somebody who's not really a big football fan, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I, I thought that it was because it's an interesting story about how this guy who was one of the best football managers around at the time but he always lived in the shadow of 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 this greater football manager and he'd often been very vocal about the club that he then ended up going to and and all of that you know big big surprise to him was that it didn't work Mm. you know i don't think anybody else saw it as a big surprise at all i think i think that people could see that this was a catastrophe waiting to happen but his ego was such that he thought he could turn it all around and yeah, I mean, another thing about it was that uh, it, it, it's almost, there's almost a sort of love story element between him and um, Peter Taylor. Hmm. Um, you know, it's a wonderful, touching relationship between the two. Uh, yeah. And Tim, Tim, uh, Peter Taylor played by, by um, Tim, Tim uh, Spool. Timothy Spall in the film. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lovely. It's a lovely film, and it and they do eventually come together again at, um, at Nottingham Forest, and he was incredibly successful at Nottingham Forest, mm. um, winning European cups and all sorts. Well, Brian yeah. Clough was pretty much successful everywhere he went, except for apart Leeds. from Leeds United. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, interesting story and a great look at, at life. And, and a particular part of history, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and looking at the setting from the early seventies, there, nineteen seventy-four, it was set. Uh, so that's the Damned United, um, which is on. Um, that's my Monday choice, but it's on technically Tuesday morning, twelve ten a.m. on BBC Two. Let's move to Tuesday. Um, evening now and Simon's Choice uh, and it is uh, Holy Week so I, I guess um, it's inevitable there's going to be a few um, movies inspired by the events of Holy Week and, and you've chosen 11.15pm on a film for Mary Magdalene Yes, um, it's Rudy Mara plays Mary Magdalene and Joaquin Phoenix plays Jesus it's, um, uh, it's, it's got an interesting sort of retelling of the story um, Mary, in this version, is not the morally questionable outsider. Um, instead, she brings, it says here, life to an individual whose own turbulent inner faith makes her especially tuned to Christ's vision, making her a key intermediary between him and her fellow apostles. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is that, that Mary Magdalene has... Hit, history and tradition have painted her in this way as being this sort of morally questionable person but the the, the new testament doesn't really give much evidence for that it's just it's made her perhaps more interesting by suggesting that she is morally questionable but yeah i mean it's a it's it's a it's a quite quite a good film uh, it's directed by the man who directed lion um the, the film about the the adopted a lad in Australia who looks to find his um, his own birth parents in back in India, and um, yeah, it's a, good, it's a beautiful looking film, and uh, the two leads are, are, are good. Okay. So um, yeah, that's um, that's Mary Magdalene, eleven fifteen p.m. on Film Four on Tuesday, the thirtieth of March. Uh, 
10pm on 4-7 on Tuesday the 30th of March is my next pick, which is the film Passengers, another appearance now from Michael Sheen. Uh, a spacecraft transporting thousands of people to a distant planet malfunctions as woken travelling companions Jim Preston and Aurora Lane fall in love. They are soon on a collision course with more technical problems and a dark secret. Sci-fi drama starring Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt and Michael Sheen. And this is... um. This is quite the, the claustrophobic kind mm. of movie, even though it's set on a huge spaceship. Um, it's claustrophobic because for an awful lot of the movie, Chris Pratt's the only one in it. Um, and, and, and all the other people on the spaceship are all in deep sleep or suspended animation or frozen mm. or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then Jennifer Lawrence's character then comes into it as well. And, but then it's just the two of them. And, and there's this um, ro- robot um, barman played by Michael Sheen. Mm. Uh, and, and and it's it's a very um, very interesting uh, movie, you know, quite quite the mystery, quite the love story. It's it's got a lot of different elements in it, yeah. And and visually as well, in places, incredibly evocative of um, The Shining, particularly the bar area and Michael Sheen's character and the way that that's done. It, it the set looks incredibly like the bar from The Shining, and and the way that you did, I saw I saw an image where it had on one side it had. Chris Pratt at the bar with with Michael Sheen, and on the other side you had Jack Nicholson from The Shining at the bar with whoever played the barman in that scene, and 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 putting them side by side is a very similar um, set decoration, and 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 I'm sure it was the the director's intention to uh, mm. to, to sort of to try and elicit that um, that memory there. And also, I think the hints of things like 2001, A Space Odyssey, as well. So other Kubrick work that seems to yeah. be reflected in this Solaris. Yes, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's got some echoes of that as well, hasn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, no, but a great movie, wonderful performances mm. by Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt, and um, yeah, a good, a good sort of love story, mystery, sci-fi drama, um, and that's on uh, Tuesday the thirtieth of March, ten pm on four seven. That's the film Passengers from twenty sixteen. So let's move to Wednesday, the 31st of March, and Simon has chosen 10.25pm on Channel 5, um, Sense and Sensibility. Yes, uh, it's a, it could be seen as a strange choice for um, a Jane Austen chocolate box uh, f- film, um, but Ang Lee uh, directs this, a, a Taiwan director. It stars and uh, is written the script is written by uh, Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet plays the the, the main uh, character Marianne and uh, it was nominated for seven Oscars although not for Ang Lee poor bloke um, but yeah it was a it's a great British costume drama um, I mean Ang Lee was a you know, he's he's had an interesting um, career. You know, he's he's. He, I think there was a film before this that that got him a lot of uh, recognition, which was Each Drink Man Woman, and then um, he did uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He did the first big big screen adaptation of The Incredible Hulk. Um, he did Life of Pi, uh, Lust Caution, and and Sense and Sensibility. You couldn't really put those that those films would not be on the same shelf in Blockbuster. No, Brokeback Mountain. Oh, of course, yeah, Brokeback Mountain as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he's... he's actually, it doesn't seem to have... Yeah, no, I was just just looking at a brief sort of list of his films, but it was... He, he hasn't done a lot 
he doesn't sort of do stuff that often, does he? Um, doesn't look like he's done anything since Gemini Man, which I have to say I don't really remember. That's um, um, Will Smith, if I remember rightly. I think it was a. Uh, a oh, is that where there's two of them? Yeah, yeah, a young him and a. A young him and an older him. Yeah. Um, yes. But equally for directors, they probably don't knock out movies more than every few years because it probably I takes them a few not. years to make a movie. Maybe, yeah. And of course, yes, the actors might be able to do things more often, but um, but there's a lot of post-production stuff, isn't there? Yeah. As well. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so, um, yeah, certainly an, an, an interesting choice uh, for, for, for Ang Lee there. But that's... Um, uh, but yeah, that, that's that's Simon's choice for Wednesday, 31st of March, 10.25pm on, on Channel 5, Sense and Sensibility. Now, my choice for Wednesday is um, a movie that I've not seen, but I've had it on my list to watch for quite a while. And it's a film that, that my guess would be that the listener would not have heard of this film ever. Um, and, and in fact, I'm wondering if you've ever heard of it, Simon. It's called The American Friend from 1977 with Dennis Hopper. Uh, no. And- so the storyline is a would-be murderer persuades a neighbour to aid his diabolical plot by convincing his unsuspecting friend he is suffering from a fatal disease and therefore has nothing to lose. Um, Wim Wenders' drama based on Patricia Highsmith's novel Ripley's Game, starring Dennis Hopper and Bruno Gans. And I've wanted to watch it because it's the first um, incarnation, that be the word, of mm-hmm. the character Ripley that of course was okay. very famous from the yeah. talented Mr Ripley where yeah, Matt yeah. Damon played that character but this was the second novel I think Ripley's Game was the follow-up to the book The Talented Mr Ripley I believe there are five novels by Patricia Highsmith that feature the character Ripley All right. and Ripley has subsequently appeared in other movies that in fact this movie was remade using the original book's title which was Ripley's Game and I think it was Dugray Scott playing Ripley in that but I might have made that up now but but yeah, this this interested me because um, Wim Wenders uh, did uh, was it Paris Texas was that yeah Wim Wenders yeah in yeah. the eighties mm-hmm. um, yes yes he did do that one and um, yeah he he yeah done um, he's a German filmmaker and he he done some other interesting things as well uh, but uh, but yes yeah, so, so so that was. Yeah, that, that that's worth watching just to, to watch watch his work. But but uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting to, to watch this because to see the origins of this this Ripley character, which went on to be so popular with with the um, Matt Damon's portrayal of him in the talented Mr. Ripley. Um, and I'm just now googling to see if if I actually got it right that um, it was Do Grace Scott playing uh, was it Ripley's game. Um, Dugay Scott was in the film. John Malkovich played Ripley in that movie. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah, and and that was from 2002. Uh, and I think there's been other. I think there have been other adaptations since. But uh, I, I I can't offhand now remember if there's been any others. I've got a feeling as well that one of her Ripley novels might have been adapted into a movie, and they might have changed the character names. So it's possible that it wasn't called Ripley. Oh, right. Um, 
But anyway, The American Friend with Dennis Hopper from 1977 is my choice for Wednesday. And that's on uh, Thursday morning, 1.05am on Film 4. Then we move to Thursday evening and Simon's um, final choice, 9pm on BBC4, classic, um, classic spy movie. uh, And it's The Third Man. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that this is famous for is it's... um uh, theme music, isn't it? Is it a balalaika it's played on? Is that the third man? Have I imagined that? No, I um, think it is. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. It, uh, it's directed by Carol Reed and uh, on the base of the, it's screenplay by Graham Greene. I, I don't think it was from a novel by Graham Greene. I think it was just a screenplay. In, in my notes, it said it was sort of on the back of an envelope um, but um, yes it was performed on the zither sorry I'm going back to the, the theme music now um, very evocative setting um, post World War Two Vienna um, uh, and yeah I mean it's a it's a it's a good uh, start you've got awesome wells there I mean there's a lot of um, a lot of good stuff going on there and uh the, 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 I can't I, I mean, going back to the zither again um, it, it it sort of doesn't it feels quite jolly the zither but it's very much a film noir so it's an interesting sort of combination of the two of the two things um, but yeah good film yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is. Yeah, it is a classic. It is listed in many a list of like the films you should watch before you die, and and you know there, there isn't a list of five star movies that wouldn't have this one on it, and for good reason. And the and, character um, Harry Lyme is uh, is one of the great sort of spy characters. Yeah, and there was a a, a TV uh, sorry a radio series um, which was from um, I think it came out about a year or two afterwards. But was uh, it was called the Adventures of Harry Lyme, and it was a prequel, um, and um, it uh, it but but it was noted for the fact that Orson Welles played um, Harry Lyme again in it. All right. So um, he was in this series that apparently ran for a year, uh, and and it was uh, on radio in America and in the UK as well. Um, it, yeah, it was called the Adventures of Harry Lyme, and uh, I think some of the recordings are are still available of it, but but a lot of old time radio from that era has not been kept that there is a lot of it out there and there's lots of specialist websites and things where you can hear these old shows and and there are some episodes of this that are still available all right but there you go so if you're really interested in it then you know that there's there's something else you can explore bernard Um, lee m was uh is is in it as well okay Uh, down the cast list and wilfred hyde white is a great favorite of mine who was in a lot of the ealing um Dealing comedies um, uh, of the fifties uh, was there as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's uh, the third man, nine pm on BBC Four on Thursday, the first of April. My choice, my final choice for the week, um, nine pm on uh, Talking Pictures TV is the uh, the British action movie Who Dares Wins from nineteen eighty two. An SES captain infiltrates a gang of terrorists who plan to take over the London residence of the American Secretary of State, but his close relationship with the group's leader threatens the operation. Um, action thriller starring Lewis Collins. Edward Woodward and Richard Widmark and um, this I imagine this is a sort of movie that probably did okay in the UK but probably didn't do too well elsewhere 
Um, and this was sort of uh, Lewis Collins, I guess, is hot off the back of the professionals at this point, and and I think was sort of seen to be maybe you know the next big sort of British star, mm. and never really came to no. anything. No. And I think this was seen as a vehicle that would propel him there, and it it very much did not. Um, but um, it was considered to be pretty violent and shocking in its day. I think by today's action standards, it's pretty tame. But um, but yeah, it, it was also, I believe, the first depiction in cinema of the SAS, who up, up until this point were very much seen as you know a very shadowy organisation and, and not much known about them. And then suddenly this movie was all about the SAS. And in fact, the, the title is their motto. Mm. Um, I whenever I hear that, I can't... Is it... It wasn't it a line used by Del Boy in Only Fools and Horses? Yeah. Uh, um, I, I can't quite take it seriously, you know. When Who dares wins. It, yeah. I just hear Del Boy's voice saying it whenever it's mentioned. Maybe that's where they went wrong. Maybe they shouldn't have had Lewis Collins. Maybe they should have had David Jason well, instead. you know, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was... Um, it did. The, other, the other thing of, of, of note for local people in this, for this movie is that um, one of the people in the movie is St Albans resident, uh, Bill Hamilton, who's a retired uh, broadcaster who played a um, play, plays a TV news reporter in this movie. And there's a piece where most of the movie is all around this um, siege uh, where these terrorists have taken over a, a building, an, an embassy building, I think it is, and, and it's about how the SES go in and storm it, which is based on real-life footage, wasn't it, from the year before? I believe there was a famous is it, Iranian embassy siege in London. Yeah, yeah. And there yeah. was images on the news of the SES sort of um, propelling yeah. down the side of a building, yeah. smashing through the windows. And, and, and this movie, I think, was in part inspired by that real-life event, which was televised. Um, well, it, yeah, I remember watching it live. Um, was it before you were born? Uh, no, I think it, you, I think it was 1981. So I was around. Okay, yeah, I remember watching it live, um, uh, and yeah, it was extraordinary. You know, that that you were able to watch this this thing happening. You know, that normally sort of happened on the other side of the world because te- terrorism. You know, we didn't really know much about terrorism at that time. Well we, we, well, we had lots of experience, I guess, of the IRA, but we didn't know much about global terrorism. No, no that's true. Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, yes, that's true. Um, it was, yes, yes. No, you're right. We we knew, we 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 had, yeah. To talk about uh, not knowing much about terrorism is a bit stupid, really. To say when when you had the IRA, but. Um, yeah, this felt different in some way. I don't know. Well, I think, would it not be because it was global terrorism? This was a different type of thing. The, the, these were, uh, this was something from, from a completely different continent, you know, and, and, and involving involving um, players from a from a completely different part of the world. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to what we were, we were used to homegrown terrorism, not yes. international terrorism. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, seeing those, the, the guys abseiling down the, the side of the building and going through the windows and I mean it's just yeah it yeah. did look like something out of a film and it became yeah. 
and it became who dares yeah yeah um and yeah so so bill hamilton who uh is a retired bbc broadcaster he played he played a a a news um a, a tv news reporter and there's a scene where he has to you see him you see you watch the news on the TV in the movie and Anna Ford is the newsreader in the studio mm. and she goes across to the guy who's on the scene and you watch him on the scene and it's and it's Bill Hamilton as somebody who's known to me and I asked him about what was it like doing this movie and he said it was very interesting he said he had this script and he read it and he said a journalist would never say any of this this is not the dialogue that a journalist would say so apparently he went to the director he took him to one side and said look I don't really want to tell you your job here but this is really fake this isn't the, you know these aren't the words that I would say and you've, you've hired me to bring my expertise as a newsreader to play a new, you know as a mm. newsman to, to play to play a newsman and the director just said to him rewrite it say it however you would normally do it imagine you are actually here covering this do mm. it as you would do it mm. and they did and he said he got he, he was able to completely throw out the script and use his own words that's interesting and, uh, yeah. yeah he was he was very pleased with, with, with mm. that anecdote mm. um, but mm. uh but yeah, that's as close as he got. I think he said he got to go to the premiere of the movie, but it was only in London, so it wasn't like right. he had to go far. Yeah, it's still quite nice though. Yeah, but if if you want to to see a bit of uh, vintage early eighties action, mm. and it really it, it felt like maybe it was not very cinematic. It kind of felt like perhaps it was like a, a feature length episode of The Professionals or The Sweeney or, or something like that. Um, but however, it was more violent than those things would have been. But um, but yeah, it didn't quite have that cinematic feel, but it is quite entertaining nonetheless. And that's Who Dares Wins, uh, 9pm on Talking Pictures TV, Thursday the 1st of April. And that rounds off uh, another edition of the St Albans Film Guide. So Simon, it just remains for me to ask you, of all of your movies, which one of those would be your, your pick of the week? If you had to choose just the one. I'm going to pick Finding Jack Charlton because I think it's the one that I would most want to see. Okay. That um, I'm just writing that down so I can put it into the artwork of the episode. We put the film posters in the artwork of the episode that we've chosen as our films of the week. And so Simon has gone for the um, the documentary film Finding Jack Charlton, which came out just last year. And my choice for the week, I'm going to go with a film that I think is quite good, but no one might ever have seen, which is Stonehurst Asylum. Um, with Kate Beckinsale and Michael Caine so that would be my choice of the week from uh, from Friday and um, so that's it we're not here next week uh, we're going to have a week off uh, but we'll be back the week after with more film guide yeah. yeah but you're here on Sunday with another yes. Dagnall Street Baptist Church virtual service indeed it's Palm Sunday this Sunday so I'm going to be thinking about uh, that the uh, the, the uh, time when Jesus was welcomed to Jerusalem um, just a week or less than a week before he was killed um, and so we'll be thinking about that and what that what that means to Christians okay and whilst you've got a week off from the film guide you are continuing oh the I've got extra, extra work because it's you know Easter it's my busy time yeah yeah th- <laughs> Maundy Thursday and Good Friday um, okay. there'll be stuff going on well I say at church of course it's not literally at church um, but next uh, on Sunday the 4th Easter Sunday there will be a service at church at 10 o'clock yeah okay so that's an actual physical in-person yeah, service first time since beginning of December I think okay right 
Uh, also, um, there will still also be another episode of the virtual um, service that people can listen to as a podcast Indeed as well. They will. Week. So, yeah. so that, that yeah. even though Simon's off from the film guide, he's still doing the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can get yeah. your fill of Simon. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thanks very much, and um, we'll yeah. And all of if you want to know how to subscribe to any of those things, go to our website, St. It's all there. And Simon, we'll catch you again real soon. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>